Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, our free event coming up, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, called The Cup of Blessing. Verse 15 in the New Living Translation, you are reasonable people, 15 of chapter 10, decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. Some people see this as irony, a touch of irony. Maybe Paul is being ironic and giving it to the people. Others see that this is just a, a blank Tickets at, at, at the uh, surface level. I speak to, as to wise men, you judge what I say. I think you guys can figure it out, is what Paul is saying. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless, the word bless means to praise, it's eulogia in Greek. We do eulogies at funerals, and that means to speak well of somebody. So that's the word for blessing. Is the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing? Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing koinonia in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing koinonia is the Greek word in the body of Christ? Now, Paul's going to swing from the argument about idolatry to using the example of the Lord's Supper to make his argument. Scholars would say, don't use this section per se as an in-depth teaching on communion. It's more illustrative. Paul's using the Lord's Supper to make his point about you can't live in both worlds. You can't can't be serving God and idols. And he goes to the communion table, and as the Lord would have it, today is what? Communion Sunday for us. And so I, I just love how the Holy Spirit works. So... He says, when we take the cup and we take the matzah or the bread, we bless it. It's the cup of blessing which we bless. Now, the blessings go both ways, right? We can bless the cup. We can bless the bread in, in the, those times. And if you look at like uh, examples of the uh, Seder meal, they would say a blessing to God who supplies the fruit of the vine. Blessed are you, uh, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. So they would say a blessing. And the blessing, of course, goes both ways. So when we take the elements of the Lord's Supper, we're communing with our God. Now, we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ outside of the communion time, of course. But when we come to the Lord's table, and this is what this is how Paul's tying it together, because in ancient times, when you went to a temple to a false god, there were restaurants connected to the temple. And so what they would do is they would offer the meat to the God. The ancients thought that demons or spirits were flying everywhere in the air, and that they often entered into meat and contaminated the meat. And if you ate contaminated demonic meat, literally, and you, you ate it without it being offered to a God who could deal with those demonic powers and make you okay, if you ate the piece of steak, a demon might be in the meat and go down into you. So in order to deal with that, they were very superstitious people, 
In order to deal with that, you offered the meat to a deity and you said to the deity, would you please make sure that none of those spirits got in this meat before I eat it, right? And then you would, you would do something to uh, appease that deity. Would you please bless my family and so forth and please protect me while I eat this? Well, Christians were going from church on Sundays to an evening dinner at the pagan temple. The meat had been offered to an idol. There were idolatrous actions going on often in these restaurants or temples. But the Christian was saying, but wait a minute. Paul just told us in chapter 8 that an idol is nothing in the world. That an idol is just a statue. It's not a true God. It's a false God. So if an idol's nothing, I can go to church on Sunday, go to dinner at the pagan temple, and I'm cool, right? Wrong. Because what happens is you can't partake at that table. In the ancient world, tables spoke of intimacy, communion, fellowship. They did long meals together. You can't eat at the table of the Lord and then go to one of those restaurants and think that you're immune to what is happening around that stuff. You can't live in both worlds. When Jesus blessed the cup in Luke 22... He took the cup after he had eaten and he said, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. When we take the cup and we take the bread, is not the bread which we break. You break the piece of matzah in the Seder uh, meal. Remember, we broke it in half when we were studying that together. You take the piece of matzah and the matzah has burn stripes burned on it, right? The flat bread. And it has holes in it. What does it remind you of? The bread, the body of Christ pierced for us. He, he, he took the scourging for us. This is what Isaiah 53 is talking about it. It says he was pierced through. Think of the matzah. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening or punishment for our well-being, our shalom, fell upon him, and by his scourging, by his stripes, ESV, New King James, we are Rapha, we are healed, we are made well, we are made whole. But if you go from that incredible covenantal meal, speaking of the covenant in his blood and through his body, and then you can easily go over here and enter into a covenantal meal with a false god, you can't pull up the chair at the communion table and then in the next moment pull up the chair at a pagan temple and commune with some false god around religious activities that are, we would have to say, abhorrent to God. See, Isaiah 53 is the whole idea of substitution. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. He's healed us. What has he healed us from? Sin, idolatry, once we've been healed, why would we go back to it? So when we drink the cup, it represents the blood of Christ. It's representative. I won't drink of the fruit of the vine again. Please hear this. And this, this is a struggle that some folks have, especially in Roman Catholicism. But I'll just say this. Jesus said, I won't drink of the fruit of the vine again. What they were drinking was the fruit of the vine. It wasn't his literal blood it wasn't his literal body. It was matzah. It was the bread. But if you've studied any views on the Lord's Supper, you know there's some different views in the church. There's a symbolic, symbolic view that it's simply symbolism, the bread and the cup. There's other views that it is the special presence of Christ 
at the communion table. And then there's other views of transubstantiation, which we, we would say we don't hold to, that the elements are actually transformed. Now, we don't hold that. We don't believe that. But communion is certainly a special time for the church. It's time to reflect on what Christ did for me and for you. Paul says, you guys are regularly taking communion, but then you're regularly going off to these other haunts. Maybe to pick up James' language about the tongue, this is not the way things ought to be. Since 17, there is one bread, we, the body, who are many, are one body. For we, church, all partake of the one bread. Now, as the body of Jesus Christ, what, what do we share in common? We had a couple of beautiful moments where we had the communion elements up here. And as a body, we all stood together. We spread out. I know it got pretty tight up here. And we we're, we're making a statement that not only are we saved by Christ, but our commonality as a community is our fidelity to Christ and his incredible love for us. Amen? This is what makes us a family. We're in Christ. We're in the one Lord. But our, com our community celebrates our fidelity to Christ. But if we leave here as a community and then we all go out our separate ways and then we're serving other gods and goddesses, then really what we're doing is just living a double life. And Paul says, when you guys gather for the communion, you're making a statement. You're saying, I believe in the Lord. I'm grateful for his sacrifice. I'm celebrating what he did. I'm looking back and I'm celebrating his death. I'm thinking about his death until he comes again. I'm anticipating his arrival. You're making a statement when you take the Lord's Supper. I love you. Thank you for loving me back. And then if you go and push up a chair at the wrong table, Paul says that's a contradiction. It's a contradiction to your commitment to God, but also your community with the body of Christ. You see, now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near, Ephesians 2, 13, by the blood of Christ. We have been made into one now, Jew and Gentile, one community around the one bread of life. And that is the statement we make when we come to the table. Imagine that some of us left here and went off to the Burning Man Festival. Have you guys heard about the Burning Man Festival? They get almost 70,000 people to go out to the desert and basically do a pagan festival. All kinds of unspeakable things happen there. There's a ton of people there. Imagine that we dismissed, the Lord bless you, keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you shalom, amen. Where are you headed? Burning Man. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm going to Burning Man. They have this big effigy of a man and they set it on fire and we all parade around and there's gross immorality. And we drink up a storm and we celebrate. They list 10 things that they celebrate at Burning Man, but there's a lot of ungodliness that go, but you know, I'm at Burning Man, Burning Man. Really? But you just took communion at church. I know, but now I'm at Burning Man. Church is for Sundays, man. I was at the old church building and a couple of teenagers were sitting on the uh, wall there and I said, ah, an opportunity. They're right outside my window. So what are you guys doing? Oh, we're over here. We're at this girl's house and the dad came home and we're over here waiting for a ride. We live over there in that city over there. 
So can I get an interpreter? Anyway, so. <laughs> so I said, hey, do you guys go to church? You know, you're sitting on a church property. Oh, yeah, we go to church on Sundays. But church is for Sundays. <laughs> I'm like, really? Oh, okay. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I'm like, really? Oh, okay. So what were you doing over that? Well, we were over the, the girl's house. And, uh... Do you know that apparently there are even modern, get this, vampire cults? who get together, not all of them do this, but some of them are drinking blood. Can you imagine? You, you leave church, go out and get a cheeseburger, put on your cape and your fake Dracula teeth. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. Right? What? Would you find that contradictory? Well, I'm just going over here. It's just all for fun. Yeah, some of them take it a little too seriously, but I'm cool. And my cape's not black, it's yellow. And <laughs> you say, what, dude, what are you doing? That's what Paul is facing in Corinth. So I'll have to move quickly. He says, consider 18, the downfall of Israel in the wilderness. This deals specifically with not the altar in the temple or tabernacle, 18, but the uh, pagan altars that were erected by Solomon and uh, even Aaron, as we'll look at in a moment. Look at the nation or the downfall of Israel in the wilderness. Remember that we were deal- dealing with the wilderness wanderings in the earlier verses. So that's the context. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? This is the pagan sacrifices. Consider what they did. All right, quickly flip over to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. We're, we're winding down, but I want to just show you a couple things from the Old Testament. Exodus 32. So remember Moses up on the mountain. Aaron, uh, the people convince him to make the golden calf. They give him all the jewelry. Uh, he, he does this. He puts the uh, golden calf together. Exodus 32, verse 2. People tore off their gold rings, etc. They gave all the stuff to Aaron. Skip down to verse 4. He took this from their hand, Exodus 32, 4, fashioned it with a graving tool, made it into a molten calf. And, then, and they said, 
This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now, when Aaron saw this, he built what? He built an altar before it. That's the golden calf. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to who? To the Lord. That's Yahweh there. That's the tetragrammatron, the four letters. Y-H-W-H, right? How could you have a feast to the Lord when you just made an altar before the golden calf? Because syncretism is what Aaron was compromising with. And so the next day, they rose early, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings to that altar, to the false god. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Do you see what's happening here? This is what Paul is referencing. He's saying, this is what you guys did. That, this is what Israel did in the desert. Now flip over to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now Moses is, it's toward the end of Moses' ministry in the book of Deuteronomy. And some of the uh, language here, the, the setting is that he's recounting stuff that occurred. Exodus 32, beginning in verse 6. Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32.6. Is not he your father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Deuteronomy 32.7. Ask your father. He'll inform you, your elders, and they'll tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the numbers number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. Ten. He found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of a wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride thirteen on the high places of the earth, He ate the produce of the field. He made him suck honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. Curds of cows, milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan and goats with the finest of the wheat and the blood of grapes you drank wine. But Jeshurun, another name for Israel, grew fat and kicked. You are grown fat, thick and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. They made him jealous with the strange, with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed, what's your Bible say? To demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. And the Lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols, so I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians and we'll finish. You can see the record of Israel in the wilderness was not good. Many, many people fell. It was an ugly situation for the nation as a whole. 
And so Paul, in wrapping up his argument, says, please consider what happened to Israel. And don't, don't repeat the mistakes of the past. What do I mean then, 1019? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? Paul realizes what he had said in chapter 8, that an idol was nothing, had no real existence. No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice... Think of the city of Corinth. They sacrifice to demons and, I, and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers. I don't want you fellowshipping communion, koinonia, with demons. Yes, I told you that an idol is nothing. But demons are a very real and formidable power, though we don't see them. The significance is unmistakable, says one writer. If the Christians are going to the idols' temples and joining in their cultic meals, then they are communing with the true God one moment and potentially with demons the next. This is simple, similar to Paul's warning in chapter 6 that you can't be with a prostitute because your body's the temple with the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. You can't have a meaningless tryst with a prostitute because essentially you do what only is set apart for marriage and you become one with her. No. You're making a soul connection when you're with the prostitute. And in the same way you're doing that when you go to the idol's temple. And so he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of of demons. We know the damage done by demonic powers all throughout the New Testament. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than He, are we? Essentially, Paul's saying, are we inviting God to discipline us? Are we thinking that we're gonna, it's going to be different for us than ancient Israel? Paul's saying, don't do that. Trust in the Lord. You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Cup of Blessing. Hey, did you miss Pastor Michael's conversation yesterday with speaker and apologist Greg Kokel about building a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions? You can listen to that conversation on our free podcast. Walk in Truth is on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Google Music, Spotify, and many more. So please follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final thought. You know, the thought I had about this section of 1 Corinthians 10 is it's tiring to try to live a double life. It's tiring. And really, I think you end up being really miserable when you're sitting on the fence, when you're trying to live in two worlds, trying to drink from two cups, as it were. It's so good to just finally make up your mind and say, you know what, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to get away from the idolatry in my life. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a perfect track record. But once you've planted your flag, there's a power in saying, I'm a Christian. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe. This is how I'm going to live. And you're going to have an occasional hiccup because we're all imperfect. But when you make up your mind, it takes away this idea that, well, maybe I'll drink this cup. Maybe I'll go to church. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll go over here and party or I'll go over here and sin. No, you know, we don't want to do that. And you may be a person that's struggling right now. You're living in both worlds and you know it's been beating you up and you feel the conviction. And, you know, conviction can be a good thing. Instead of it overwhelming us, it can drive us to this decision I'm talking about. 
which is, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, and I want my life to align with that. Well, hey, this is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're excited that you are listening to the broadcast, and the Word of God has power to change us, transform us, and make us into ambassadors for Jesus Christ, vessels fit for the Master's use. Hey, speaking of being an ambassador, we have Greg Kokel coming out to Living Truth in the city of Corona, where I'm the senior pastor. And Greg is going to share on his updated version of a book called Tactics. And this is going to start at 6.30 in the evening on Sunday evening. It's a Sunday evening service with worship, a talk, a time of Q&A, and even pizza. Yeah, it's true. I'm Italian. I love pizza. So we're going to have pizza and soda or water at 5 p.m. before the event. We'd love to have you come. And you can sign up for that event. Let us know you're coming when you go to walkintruth.com, or you can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on your phone. Do it today. Look for the red logo with the pillars. Find out all the information, and you can sign up and let us know that you're coming. You can also call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours, 844-48-TRUTH, if you have any questions. And there'll be child care on this evening for 10 and under. If you have children and you think um, they're not quite ready for an apologetics evening, that's okay. They can have some fun and hang out while you are uh, being equipped. So that's Greg Kokel here at Living Truth on the 26th of January. It's a Sunday night service. And you can find out all that you need to know at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called for the good of my neighbor and the glory of God. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.